0: Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today on the show, Spider-Man is back. In a newer, younger form, it made over a quarter of a billion dollars worldwide in its opening weekend alongside some glowing reviews. And also, Andy Serkis is back as Caesar in part three of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. It's a reboot. It's two receiving glowing reviews, including one from me. And there's a fascinating movie with a big heart. It's playing directly on Netflix. It's about a young girl living in the mountains of South Korea raising an experimental pig named Okja, And The Pig is the Size of an Elephant. It's a very complicated, emotional film. It's about everything from GMOs and corporate greed and loving of your pets. uh, From visionary director Bong Joon-ho. But for now, Haley is in wine country. We miss her a lot, but she's working. So say hello to our very special guest. He is the culture critic for the Dallas Morning News, also a longtime film critic friend. I have great admiration for the great Chris Fogner.
1: Hello, Gary Kukum. How are you doing? I have great admiration for you, too. Well, that's right.
0: Uh, that just uh, t- I, so you know. I, We speak very highly of each other. Yes. We've probably seen hundreds into thousands of films in the same room together. Yes, far too many. Over the years. I have not seen Spider-Man. You have. I have. Okay, take a minute or so and just tell me what you're thinking about this film, and is it as good as the reviews have been? I mean, there's a lot of good reviews,
1: and then there's some that are, you know, a little bit more, you know, curb your enthusiasm, tiny bit. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have very high expectations, mostly because this is now, of course, the third iteration of Spider-Man in the last several years. Right. We had had Tobey Maguire. Uh, The first two of those were very good. Uh, the Andrew Garfield ones were kind of flat. They were fun. Didn't, didn't really seem to know what they were going for tone wise, mm-hmm. story wise, character wise. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt like a return to fun. And I feel like we're kind of, feel like we lose track of fun with some of these superhero movies that want to be very,
0: very grim.
1: Well, a lot of them are based on
0: very grim stories. They are, sure. I you mean, know, the, origins, the, 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 the origin of The Dark stories, Knight, the Batman story is very dark it and is. very grim. It is. But and why are, they're doing what they're doing. But this is yeah. a, a high school kid? Yeah, it's a high school it's kid. It's Tom and he, Holland. And he feels like a high school kid,
1: even though Tom Holland's 21. And he's, he's playing a 15-year-old, and he does it very convincingly. He feels like, you know, not necessarily a nerdy high school kid, but, you know, too smart for his own good. He's mocked for being smart. He's on the academic— decathlon team. Um, so and yeah. he meets a girl? Uh, he does meet a girl, and it's a very, I should say, it's a very diverse Spider-Man as well. He falls in love with a, a biracial girl at school. His, nice. his best buddy is Filipino. Um, it's definitely, it feels it's set in a Queens high school, and it feels like it's set in a Queens high school.
0: No kidding. Good. So, it has a feeling of authenticity, I guess. Authenticity. As you can say for a Spider-Man movie. For
1: a Spider-Man movie, yeah. The, it, it feels at least like the country that we're living in as far as you know, the, the people that you're going to interact with going to a uh, you know, a prestigious public school in Queens.
0: Okay. When I, when I think of the Spider-Man movies, the, I, I, I also think of Robert Downey Jr., because he's in and out of all of these films. All of them, he's in the film. Tyne Daly's in the film. Marissa Tomei's in the film. Donald Glover from that television series, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. who's, I think, a wonderful actor. He is, really funny. And he's in this. But the bad guy, Vulture, is played by Michael Keaton. Yes. Is he imposing, or is he funny, or what is his deal?
1: Michael Keaton in Birdman (laughs) 2, The Vulture Returns. Um, I love love Birdman. uh, he's, um, He's very human, and I think that's why... The character works. I mean, he's not a nice guy. He is the villain. But he's a sort of relatable villain. He's got a grudge against Stark Enterprises. He's very kind of proudly working class. Um, He's not like a leering, snarling kind of comic book villain, really. Really, he's different. Yeah, he is a little bit different. And part of that is because Keaton brings that to pretty much whatever he does. Even guys that aren't all that savory. I was just... Thinking last night about the movie The Founder right. that, that he was in, I wanted that movie to get more traction because I actually thought it was really good.
0: I think That movie got better the more I thought about it. When I first thought, saw the film, I thought, well, this is an interesting story because Michael Keaton is so good that you're concerned about him, but he's not a good guy.
1: No, he's not. He's and I not think, in The Founder. And I think that's why... It didn't do very well. It's about Ray Kroc, the guy who kind of stole McDonald's it really from the, the uh, McDonald brothers.
0: It's really about the ugly side of of capitalism. Of the
1: American dream. Of, of the, the American capitalism. dream, yeah. yeah. It so really it reminded is. me a little bit yeah. of, of that performance. Not necessarily the nicest guy in the world, but very real, um, somewhat relatable, very human.
0: I'm kind of fascinated by these superhero movies that make so much money. Um, you know, there's a, there's a built-in thing going on with transformers. I, I think this transformers film is one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. Uh, Baywatch came out and didn't really do very well, but it has worldwide. It's done kind of okay. They'll they'll love it in China. They'll <laughs> it, these movies in Europe or in other parts of the world now make make so much money that if it does a hundred million here, it's going to do three hundred over there. You do $400 million and you're getting your money back, at least on some of these big-budget films with a, another $200 million ad campaign. Hey, I want to talk about Planet of the Apes for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I've these films have gotten better for me. This is the part three in the reboot, because I, I don't know how long they can go with these things. But Andy Serkis is so good in this film. I think there's Oscar consideration for him, even though it'll, that'll probably never happen. But if you can ever make it for a case for motion capture, you can make it for this film. Plus, it's really good. It's a prison movie. It's it's Bridge on the River Kwai. It's Schindler's List, but it's with apes and it's <laughs> with humans. And the bad guy, of course, you know the you know, the bad guy's just wreaking havoc over everything. But who plays the bad guy? Oh, oh, is it a human bad guy or an ape bad guy? Oh no, it's it's a human bad guy. It's Woody Harrelson. Oh wow. But um I'm seeing it. I have not seen it yet, I should say. I'm, I'm right, seeing it tomorrow night. Right. I, I think it's kind of epic. I walked out of the movie going, This is kind of epic. This is this is taking a really interesting subject. Um and just adding weight to it because it takes itself so seriously and then succeeds on all those levels it's not horror. it's well written it's incredibly directed um I felt like I was watching a combat movie for half of it, which I kind of liked and and then then we when it became a, a capture in a prison movie it's how they're tunneling out i mean it's it's almost like the great escape and you know they're just trying to get out but there but there's so many human elements to the apes as as these movies evolve and as they evolve as apes too
1: yeah, I'm excited to see yeah, it. I, I, I love the last one. I liked the first one. I think they're all, I think they have higher aspirations than a lot of these tentpole kind of franchises do. I think they really want us to think about human nature and the things. They want us to think we'll about do. larger things. Yeah.
0: And also, I was glad these movies didn't. You know, the very first reboot of The Planet of the Apes was like, let's be mean and beat them all down so we'll like them because they're, it's basically an animal abuse film. And they've evolved into something that's kind of a grand theme, a better theme, uh, you know, a mistreatment of each other as, as, as species and as human beings. And, you know, I, I just, I find this Planet of the I can't wait to see it again. I'm kind of interested in it and I'm kind of interested in the epicness of it. In in trying to say some, you know, I think Schindler's List is the best film I've ever had to write about, and I'm not comparing this movie to that movie. Although you did, just a well, few I am doing it just in the name because it's a, a, a prisoner of war film in a, in a way. You know, I mentioned it, it's not as good as a Bridge on the River Kwai either. It's a great David Lean film, but it but it has these elements that treat it with respect. And if you're going to borrow from other films. Uh, borrow from them and then honor them. Don't borrow from them and then cheap them down. And this one kind of, I think raises the bar. Hey, we got some more movies to talk about. When we come back on Kogil One and Film, A Perfect Pairing, a conversation uh, more with film critic and culture critic, we call him the culture critic of the Dallas Morning News, the great Chris Wagner. And we'll talk a little bit about this remarkable new film on Netflix, starring a giant pig, a young star from South Korea, Jake Gyllenhaal in the weirdest performance ever of his career, love it or hate it, he's in it. Paul Dano, and the great Tilda Swinton is in this film, and I think she produced it. It's called Okja, O-K-J-A, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Kogiel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, and With the lovely, the talented Haley drinking the good stuff in Napa today, I'm back talking movies with the culture critic of the Dallas Morning News. We call him the celebrated Chris Wagner. The lovely, talented Chris Wagner. It's tough being a teen idol. We're both big fans of Baby Driver. Yes, speaking of teen idols. Is that the best film you've seen so far this year?
1: It's certainly That's the best way to put this. I don't think I had more fun watching a movie this year than... Then baby driver. And a lot of that is the energy. A lot of that is the soundtrack. A lot of that is that it's Edgar Wright who just knows how to have fun. Um, a lot of it's Jamie Foxx, playing a complete psycho. It's the best performance he's done since Ray. I would, I thought the same thing as I was watching it. He actually. scared
0: the daylights out of me,
1: but it's just, it is sort of the ultimate car chase movie. It I is, mean, it, it is one, it's not just one long car chase. It's several very intricately designed car chases set to the perfect music for each scene.
0: Well, I've, I felt at one point, and I'm not going to, I don't want to draw too much of this analogy, but at one point, it didn't feel like, but it felt like, um, um, in, in, the, the musical from last year, it felt like he could break into song any time. And, and start dancing with, you know, Emma Stone anytime he wanted to. La La Land. With yeah. La La Land. It felt like th- there's some rhythm there. Yeah, and, there is. of course, it's great sound editing. Well, even the gunfire. The gunfire has, has a rhythm, rhythm to it. The
1: rhythm goes along with the soundtrack, but with the music that's playing, which is pretty remarkable. And
0: also, I never felt like in Baby Driver it was a gimmick, that it really served the film. That everything about this really kind of served that story. So here's my issue with Baby Driver. I thought it jumped the shark with about 25 minutes to go. Oh, I thought it jumped the shark probably five minutes in. Did you realize that? <laughs> I still loved it. <laughs> well, my, my big issue with the ending of the movie is it felt like two different movies. And I, I think that's fine. And ha- most people listening to this podcast, which is absolutely brilliant with you, uh, uh, you can like it or not, it doesn't matter. It just didn't quite work as enough for me. It became a real different movie for me. I just kept
1: thinking, Ansel Elgort not going to do real well in prison. No, he's not. With That face.
0: <laughs> he's not going to uh, do very will well. Not go well in the in the and, pokey for and also, Ansel. John Hamm's really good in this film. They're all good in this. Uh, film. Yeah, yeah. He's he's fun to watch. Yeah. Spacey's fun to watch. Yeah, oh, Spacey's always so great. But I, I like that film a lot. Now you you've seen a film that I haven't seen that I can't wait to see, and it's really on my radar. It's called The Big Sick. Yes. How good is that film?
1: It's really good. It's, it's for me sort of the, it's the best romantic comedy I've seen in a really long time and that it's both very funny. Um, uh, Kumail Nanjiani is the star and the co-writer and it's about his experiences with his now wife when they first met and she fell very ill and kind of right after they <laughs> broke up. And it's, uh, it's, it sets in motion a really compelling story. And then it takes <laughs> this real hairpin turn where it's just balancing laughter and tears. And I know that's a cliche. I laughed, I cried, but it really does it. It really manages that balance in a way that I very, very, if ever. Um, have
0: seen. Is it a movie about different cultures getting together and falling in love? Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's a movie about a, a Pakistani American who falls in love with a white girl and um, is afraid to tell his family about it because they are, of course, set on him entering an arranged marriage with another uh, Pakistani yeah. girl. So it's about what he's facing and, and turning away from his native culture and trying to become his own person.
0: So when I see ad campaigns um, for movies, the ad campaign for that movie is really good, but now it's all full of critics' quotes. Right. Of, you know, the best romantic comedy in Damn years and, and all those. They ruin everything. Well, some of them are called quote horrors, but some of them are critics that are quoted accurately. You know, but often they're, often they're not. But that, I kind of trust that movie. Yeah, I, I it. it's, it's, you should see it. I think, you'd, I think you would really like it. I think Haley and I are going to have a great time. We'll probably sneak in a bottle of wine, or we'll go see it at a movie theater that allows wine. Well, this is a, you can see it at the uh, the Alamo,
1: actually, yeah. and they have this special Pakistani menu. Do if they really at, at the Alamo Draft Alamo, House? Can, so you can actually eat Pakistani food, which is pretty good. I had some of it while so, you watch the movie.
0: So there's this movie called Okja, and I know I've seen it and you have not, and I can't wait for you to see it. It's on Netflix. Which is, once again, is another venue to do a feature film. Uh, I think this film has Oscar potential, actually. And it's, it's a wonderfully made film. And it, it, it takes place half of it in South Korea and half of it in, in America. But it's really the South Korean young actress who I guess is a big star there, uh, a name I can barely pronounce. And then, and then she has a, she's on a farm with her father up in the mountains and, uh, an American company an American and a British company uh, start playing around with GMOs and they make an experimental pig and they make it they make like a dozen of them or ten of them and they send limit them an addition they limit they send them out to farms and so they can raise them for ten years then they go back after ten years and check on them, and one of them becomes a contest winner in the face of this new product to feed more pork to the world and The pigs are the size of elephants and of course, this is her best friend. And at the end, you know, at one point in the movie, not at the end, but they they come and take that pig back because it's really not hers, even though she thinks it is because she's raised it. And it's like a puppy. And it's, and then you realize this kind of evil, you know, corporate entity of just, of slaughterhouses. The man. And it's also, uh every time I look at the ad campaign for Okja, I, I go, please do not take, this is not a kid's movie. It's got a lot of rough language in it. It's got a lot of serious images in it. But it's a fascinating, well-made film. And The Pig is great. I mean, The Pig is really great. And then it's got Paul Dano in it, who's an activist. And Tilda Swinton's, you know who produced the film, is also running the evil GMO empire. And Jake Gyllenhaal is and like Jake the Gilland,
1: overzealous veterinarian. He's
0: an overzealous kind of TV vet. Right, reality TV vet. Yeah, and it's maybe one of the worst performances I've ever seen, and it doesn't matter. Because it probably fits, I'd have to see the film again. I watched it, and I thought, that's the weirdest thing because there's there's a bunch of uh, what do I want to say slapstick moments to the film, and then it it has a tone that changes every 10 minutes. And most of the time, I, I that doesn't work for me. But in this film, it does work. There's a million tones to it.
1: So really good filmmaker. Remind me the filmmaker's name so it, one more time. Uh, yeah,
0: the filmmaker's uh, Boon John, Boon jun Ho. He's made
1: a couple of movies I he really did like. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is one of them. Yeah, which is just this
0: which crazy movie about. Which I think was about, also made all its money on demand.
1: Right, and that's the. It's about a train going around in circles, sort of. Retaining the some of the sole survivors of the planet Earth and this and the upper classes up front. Yeah, it's like a Marxist it parable, is. basically. It but it's just completely zany. Um, it's pretty funny and really dark at the same time. And then the host, which is yeah. a monster movie, he the did host is a really good a few film. years ago. So this this is not his first. No. Pig Rodeo. <laughs> I think
0: this is his best film, though. Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I I love his work, but I think this is his best film. Also, it's really affected me. I mean, I've I've I don't get affected by movies that much because we see so much. Are you going to stop eating meat? Uh, I might stop eating pork. Wow. Uh, I love bacon. I don't eat a lot. of. I know. I love sausage. <laughs> I, I
1: need my bacon.
0: I love sausage. <laughs> but, but at some point it makes you, I mean, I think it's kind of a really fascinating, smartened up rather than done down front. I'm
1: going to see it. My girlfriend saw it and she loved it and she said the pig reminded her of one of our cats.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty big cat. <laughs> it's a giant cat. Hey, can I, I want to have a couple questions uh, before we wrap up, but the, the life of, a, the film criticism has changed a lot. I don't know if film criticism has changed a lot, but we've gone from uh, major newspapers and major TV organizations having film critics to lots of bloggers on Rotten Tomatoes, and some of them I really, really I greatly respect. Uh, Matt Ziller cites his article on Ocho in the Roger Ebert um, web space is stunning. Well, Matt's, Matt's one of the best in the
1: world. I think Matt's. Really great. I mean, on, on television as well. I mean, writing about television yeah. as well, which is what he primarily does right.
0: you now. But, the, but the, I don't know if the question is the status of film critics, but um, television has almost no one anymore. There's almost no one on television hardly at all that actually reviews movies and spends some time with them. It's usually gabbing with an anchor or gabbing with somebody. But to put a piece together and do that, it's really rare. To really write about films... Um, I remember my champions were Charles Champlain of the LA Times. Years ago, I thought he was just yeah, stunning. It's fantastic. And he was great. In fact, he quit for a while to become a book critic because movies got so bad in the eighties for him. And uh, I've, I was kind of fascinated by him, but there's always been champions. I don't know where the champions are going to come from down the road. Well, you think there will always be film critics out there that you might admire or I might admire or somebody else growing up might admire? I hope
1: so. I mean, it's it's a tricky thing right now because I would say there are probably more people writing about movies now than there ever have been, and there are probably fewer of them getting paid to do that than there ever have been. So it's it's a tough, I mean, it's always been a tough go as a profession, but I think it's much tougher now. There's infinite space, um, but I think a lot of people who are doing this are doing it as a passion, um, as as a, um, you know, something to do because they really, really, really want to do it, not because it's putting a roof over their head. And that's that's tough.
0: Do you have people uh, who contact you and say, I want to do what you do, how do I do it?
1: Sometimes, um, not as much as, and I should say also, I mean, you probably know this, I don't really write all that many movie reviews anymore. I still write about movies, um, but I also, you know, I write about books, I write about TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm writing very few of the standard six, 700 word, here's what I thought of this particular movie type pieces. So what I do is actually not what I used to do.
0: Right. And I knew you were the film critic of the morning news for how many years? I was the
1: senior film critic for 10 years. Right. But I was kicking around there for... Probably another ten before that.
0: Yeah, and before that was Philip Wunsch. Yes, the late great, Philip the late Wunsch. great Philip Wunsch. Yeah. I remember standing in line with Philip Wunsch, waiting to see a movie that nobody knew, and it was at North Park, the old North Park Theater in Dallas. The line was around the block. I was so giddy that I was standing next to Philip Wunsch it was before I got my first job. And uh, as a film critic, and, and I, that I got to talk to The Wunch. The Wunch. We go inside, and sitting in the back row is Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford, and it was the first screening ever of Blade wow. Runner. And I remember filling out little comment cards. And I, I, that did not faze me as much as standing in line for an hour with Philip Wunch. They're like, Ridley Scott, eh, Philip Wunch, man. Man, I know. But it, it it's kind of interesting. I, I look at Rotten Tomatoes, and I look at the— kind of the aggregate of it all and how it's all added up. And I, I make comments on it. And sometimes it's horribly wrong. But for the most part, I'm interested in that. But now I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes and I'll pick out Matt Zeller sites or I'll pick out, and I'll pick out one or two people that I don't agree with very often because I'm really interested in what they think. Like I, I and I rarely agreed with Robert Wolenski, who writes, who's with the Dallas Morning News. My colleague, but I but front. I loved his writing, and yeah. I th- always thought his point was different than mine, and, and made a point to me. I think he's a, a great writer, and uh, so I think it's interesting to write, to read stuff that's different than your own. Yeah, absolutely. As, as well as the things that you. If I just read everything that I already embraced, what's right. the point?
1: It's it's part of the conversation. You know, part of the conversation is getting angry sometimes and saying, "What are you
0: talking about?" Were you a fan of Beauty and the Beast earlier this year? Yeah,
1: I was. I was surprising I was completely ready to not be a fan of it at all, um, and I, it pretty much held me there for the entire running time. And I think part of the reason it worked for me is that I hadn't seen the original animated version in a long time, so. I, wasn't, I didn't know all of its ticks and rhythms and, and gags, so I could roll with it without saying, oh, they're just doing that all wrong. They should have done it like this. Or right. oh, they did it just like the Disney movie, the original cartoon. So I kind of was able to see it as its own thing, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Disney's done a real turnaround for me. They were bad for a while. And uh even Pete's Dragon, which is David Lowry's film, yeah, I thought was own, David really, Lauer. really, really good. And we should
1: mention Matt diller Sites, also
0: Dallas's own. Matt, Matt diller Sites, Dallas's own. But I, I, I find that these live-action reboots of these animated films, it's like I roll my eyes, it's a money grab, and they've been really good. So until they prove me wrong, because I thought The Jungle Book was terrific. And I really thought Beauty and the Beast was like terrific film and really, really good stuff. Hey, thanks for being here. Thank you, Gary Kogel. So, Oakjaw, and then we'll 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 gab about it next time and then I'll see Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch Oakjaw this and week. And we got some really, really big stuff uh, coming up. Uh, next week on Kogel One and Film A Perfect Pairing, uh, three big new films, Luke Besson's Valerian, which I'll see this week. Uh, not not Wagnerian. Not but Wagnerian, Valerian. but it could be Wagnerian in tone, but it's Valerian. It's a million cities within. In the city, or whatever. Uh, Chris Nolan's war epic, Dunkirk. I'm pretty stoked for that. I'm, I'm, my butt's in that chair so fast I can barely stand it. And also, Texas filmmaker David Lowry is back, this time directing Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara in a film called A Ghost Story. And for more information on the films that we talked about today, you can check out uh, Haley Nice's blog. It's at cogillconsulting.com. Or through Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, at Gary Cogill. And to see what Haley's drinking now, you can follow her on Instagram and on Facebook, at Dallas Uncorked. And Chris Wagner, you're at Chris Wagner, V-O-G-N-A-R. Very meat and potatoes Twitter handle. And you do want to follow that and read up. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. As usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And the great Haley will be back next week. And she's always searching for a great glass of wine. So join us next time on Kogil Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.